Hello, and thank you for tuning into Mum Talk, hosted by myself, Emma Jolin, mum to Amandine, now a toddler, and our new addition, Elwood, born this May. If you are new here on this podcast, I share my journey as a mum from pregnancy to life with a baby, toddler, and now as a mum of two, sharing all the highs and all the lows. Not only am I joined by incredibly knowledgeable guests, some experts in their field, but also mums and dads sharing their experience of pregnancy and parenthood. As always, you can trust in Mum Talk to be honest, real and informative and provide plenty of nod along and me too moments. Wherever you may be, thank you for listening and enjoy being part of today's conversation. If you have listened from the very beginning of Mum Talk, you will know it was love at first sight when I met the products created by the midwives at My Expert Midwife. When pregnant with Amandine and Elwood, not a day went by where I didn't use my favourite product, Fantastic Skin Elastic. I feel incredibly honoured to be working with My Expert Midwife, a brand that has truly supported me physically through both of my pregnancies. Recovery after childbirth can be challenging, both emotionally and physically. My Expert Midwife have created a recovery duo designed to soothe bruising, swelling and soreness of the perineum after birth. This includes Spritz for Bits, which provides instant relief to the perineum. You will have heard me raving about this after my first pregnancy, plus the new Soak for Bits, a must-have to add to those first few baths after your baby is born to aid recovery and soothe aching muscles. I could go on and on and rave about every single product I have tried. I know how important it is to have confidence and trust that what you are putting on your skin is 100% safe for pregnancy and baby. For me, using My Expert Midwife products gave me that trust and confidence. My Expert Midwife not only develop incredible products, they provide midwife expertise for pregnancy, birth and becoming a new mum. To find out more on how to prepare and recover from childbirth, visit My Expert Midwife at www.myexpertmidwife.com. Hello and welcome back to Mum Talk Series 10. I literally can't believe we are now at series 10, but thank you so much for coming back for a whole new series. I am so excited to share what is a very new life journey for us, having two children. (laughs) And right now I'll set the scene for you. It is, where are I? It's Monday evening, so you'll be listening to this on Wednesday morning. Um, Elwood is breastfeeding, as you can probably hear. I'm sitting on the most uncomfortable chair, which is not breastfeeding friendly at all. It's one of those chairs where you basically are kneeling. (laughs) Anyway, it's a picture and it's eight o'clock in the evening. Amandine has just gone to bed. Uh, Hendrik has just done book time. And this time is normally where Elwood has a bit of a meltdown. So I'm just really hoping that if I put him on the boob, He will chill and let me do this podcast for you because I want to get your answers, your questions answered. I want to fill you in on what's been going on um, and start the series. So, how are you all? I hope you're all really well. Um, We are doing okay. We are muddling along. Elwood is now six weeks old as of Friday. And... He's a big boy. I have no idea how much he weighs, but he basically looks like a four-month-old child. Um, He's in three to six-month clothes, rapidly growing. (laughs) I mean, he's got to be well over 12 pounds by now. 
Um, Amandine is being incredible. I am so, so proud of how she has adjusted to this huge, huge change in her life. Um, obviously with all toddlers, they don't quite understand how fragile babies are, so she is a little bit rough. Um, for instance, today she headbutted him in the mouth, which had him really crying, and then I think he was a little bit sore because he wasn't loving breastfeeding so much. Um, but bless her, she didn't mean to, she just tripped and headbutted him in the mouth. <laughs> oh God. But I feel like it's a real, it's a really big balance isn't it by trying to get them to really embrace their new baby brother but also trying to be careful um, and I don't want to be spending the whole time going Amandine be careful he's fragile be careful and I feel like I'm just being a nagging mum the whole time I'm at, I just I'm at a point where I feel like I've I've forgotten how I know to be fun <laughs> I've just forgotten how to be fun because if my brain is just overloaded with either trying to do something for Amandine or trying to do something for Elwood, all of that brain space is being taken up by the kids, I guess. Um, and even when Hendrik tries to talk to me, I snap and he's really getting the brunt of everything at the moment. Poor guy. Um, and hormones are crazy at this point. But yeah, I said to my friend the other day, I just, I've completely forgotten how to be fun. Even when I don't have Elwood, at a rare occasion when he's sleeping or something, and I'm playing with Amandine, I'm thinking, oh, what, what am I meant to do to be fun, to be a fun mum? <laughs> Which is ridiculous. I know it's ridiculous, but I feel like a lot of you will be able to sympathise and feel the same. Um, I don't think I really went through it with Amandine because, you know, there wasn't someone that I needed to be fun there for. She was the tiny one. Um, you know, Elwood... I barely feel like I get the time to put him on his tummy. I think we've done it just a couple of times. Thankfully, he loves it. And to be honest, he is so strong. And he's always lying down on my tummy when we're breastfeeding or lying in bed or whatever. So I'm not worried. But trying to fit it all in when <laughs> with the toddler is just insane and absurd and I don't really know how to do it yet still at six weeks in. Um, <laughs> I mean, getting out of the house, we're, we're actually okay at getting out of the house, that's actually fine, and in all honesty, it's easier getting out of the house than it is staying at home, um, because Amaldine will come inside the house and she'll say, well, what can we do now, what can we do now, and I'm not very good at setting out activities or um, having a plan for the day, at the moment I'm literally just winging every day as it comes, pretty much, I think I'm driving my friends mad because I text them at the beginning of the week saying, let's do this. And then I just never text back when they say, yes, let's do it. <laughs> so I'm really sorry if you're listening and I do that to you because I don't mean to. Just time disappears and I try not to be on my phone. Um, uh, yeah. But getting out of the house, we're okay at. Um, but I feel like poor Elwood is literally being passed from pillar to post. So, you know, in the morning... He's probably on me, and then he falls asleep. And then the minute he falls asleep, I'm transferring him to the car seat so we can go out. And then we go out, he wakes up from his car seat, so I put him in the bassinet. Then he falls to sleep in the bassinet in the buggy. And then I think, oh, damn it, why didn't I just keep him in the car seat? So next time I try and just keep him in the car seat, 
he wakes up, he doesn't fall asleep again. So I might as well have put him in the bassinet, which is a bit cooler for him. Um, and then maybe I'll try him in the sling and then back into the bassinet and then he'll finally fall asleep and then it's time to go back in the car seat and then he's asleep again and then it's time to go back into the house and he wakes up. Poor guy. I mean, poor boy. <laughs> and then I then I wonder why he's grumpy and why he won't settle at lunchtime because he hasn't had enough sleep. He's had all of these interrupted two or three minute naps. As you can hear, he's a little bit grouchy on the boob. I apologise if you can hear lots of baby coos. He is not the same as Amandine, where Amandine literally just lay there. She'd feed whilst I recorded the podcast, and then she'd go straight to sleep. <laughs> Elwood doesn't do that. No chance I can um, feed Elwood to sleep. That doesn't even happen. So it does make bedtimes and nap times. I have to work a little bit harder to get those to actually happen. 99.9% um, .9 of the time, they're on me. Although saying that, he is amazing at nighttime sleep. I don't know if any of you, well, I do know most of you follow on Instagram, but I posted about him doing a seven-hour stint fairly early on. I don't know, maybe week three, something like that. And it's become fairly regular. Not seven hours, but five or six hours has become quite regular. And I don't worry about feeding him because he's a big boy um, and he has really good feeds. And through the day, he's feeding every couple of hours. Oh my gosh, Elwood, you're so noisy. Um, he is feeding every couple of hours through the day and then he has a big old sleep. But in the evening, from I would say 3 o'clock in the afternoon until 10.30, 11pm at night, he has serious FOMO and just wants to be involved in whatever is going on. But I think that how that pays off is he does sleep long stints at night. Uh, last night wasn't as good, but he had his last feed around 9, 9.30 and then didn't want any more at 10.30. So he woke at 3.30 um, and then went back to sleep until 6.37. Um, no, 6. Sorry, 6. And then I fed him again and he went back to sleep until 8. Which was lovely, because otherwise I just get zero time to get anything done, not even laundry. Because even though baby carriers are brilliant, and I'll come on to baby carriers, but even though they're brilliant, you still very much are carrying around a very heavy baby. Well, in my case, a very heavy baby. Um, but yeah, he sleeps really well, which is amazing. And he is sleeping in his snoo snooze pod, next to me snooze pod. Um, which is just a lifesaver because for the first, I would say, two or three weeks he wasn't sleeping in his snooze pod and that was a killer. I found that really difficult. But now he is very much sleeping in his snooze pod for that stretch of time. He loves to be waddle swaddled. Waddled? Swaddled. He's currently getting on really well with the Love to Dream swaddles, which are the zip ones where the arms are up. Um, and also the Perflow one where there's buttons for the arms, so great for transitioning. And, but you can also put the arms in um, and they're great tog levels as well. We started off with traditional muslin swaddles as that's all I thought I had, <laughs> but it wasn't. I had a love to dream one from when Amandine was born, which I completely forgot about. But um, the muslin swaddles he just kept punching out of, which got really frustrating because he'd wake up at three o'clock. He wouldn't need a feed. He just needed to be tucked back into his swaddle. So gone are those now because he's too strong for those. He just kicks out and punches out. And clearly I'm not a good enough swaddler to make it tight enough. And also I do worry about my swaddling skills and hip, hip healthy stuff. 
Um, so at least I know if he's in kind of like a bag or something that's really flexible around his hips, he can move his hips rather than a traditional muslin swaddle, which is a little bit more intense. We had a, hopefully you didn't tell, but we had a momentary pause in recording the podcast because when Elwood was getting all noisy and finished eating, he uh, started to get a little bit upset. So he's now in the Baby Beyond Bouncer, um, which I bought probably third hand, I reckon, um, off Facebook Marketplace with Amandine when she was born uh, it was a last minute purchase, but he doesn't, he seems to really like it. And my mum got Amandine for Christmas ages and ages ago when she was under one. Um, her first Christmas, actually, the baby Bjorn, a little toy thing that's on it. And Elwood, as you can probably hear, is already reaching for it and then hitting it and stuff. And Amandine definitely wasn't doing that at this age. I mean, at six weeks, whether it's accidental and it's just because he couldn't reach and Amandine couldn't. It's possible. That is also possible. Um, so what else can I share with you? His feeding is going really well. He is breastfeeding. Like I mentioned, he's breastfeeding every couple of hours, pretty much on the dot, actually, every two hours through the day. And then he is breastfeeding. I would say the last feed I try and do as late as possible, 10.30ish, uh, finishing at 11 and then he will sleep through until what doesn't feel that bad, until 5, 5.30. Occasionally 6 o'clock, very occasionally 6 o'clock. But when I wake up at 5, 5.30, I think, okay, yeah, I can do this. (laughs) When I wake up at 3.30, and then, but you know, I really am not complaining because I am well aware that, you know, I had it with Amandine. Amandine woke up through the night, on the dot, every two hours, at minimum, until she was probably six, seven months old, if I remember correctly. Um, So it is lovely that Elwood is different, but he is a lot harder work in the day. And I am struggling with that. Mentally, I'm really struggling with that because I am a doer. I like to do. I, there's, I could just see things constantly around the house that need doing, or even, you know, loading the laundry from washing machine to tumble dryer, or hanging the laundry, or putting things in the dishwasher, unstacking the dishwasher, Playing with Amandine, all that kind of stuff is really challenging with Elwood because he literally will not get off me. <laughs> he wants to be on me all the time. And if I put him down, even for two minutes, he will start to cry. And it's really tricky. I find that really tricky. Um, he, I, So the, I might as well talk about the baby carriers. We have, um, we were very kindly given the Ergo Baby Embrace and also the Baby Beyond Newborn Carrier. I love them both. I find the Ergo Baby more comfortable than the Baby Bjorn, but I find the Baby Bjorn easier to put on than the Ergo Baby. Minimal. Very, very minimal. I find Elwood seems more comfortable in the Ergo Baby. I'm not sure why, but whether that's because he's a bit of a bigger baby and the support around the bottom and hips and legs is a little bit more than the Baby Bjorn, I'm not really sure. Both go well up, you know, through to at least one year of age. Um, whether Elwood will make that with his weight or whether I'll make that with his weight, I don't know. Um, but even, even with those carriers and even with wrap slings, you're still really carrying something in front of you. And I'm always really conscious about his legs and me bending down and then his legs being in a funny position. Or if I pick Amandine up, his leg getting trapped underneath Amandine's body. Um, and oh my goodness, right now, 
Amandine. Seems huge because I'm just always carrying Elwood. <laughs> so then when I do go and pick up Amandine, she just seems massive. Um, so I will do a bit of a review on the Baby Beyond Carriers over the next couple of weeks on the podcast and also in Instagram. But just very quickly, I would say they are wonderful. I love them. I wouldn't be without them. I really wouldn't. Um, if you're looking for super soft newborn carriers and you don't want a wrap sling, I would definitely recommend the Ergo Baby and the Baby Beyond. They're both brilliant. I recommend you go and try them both on if you can because they will suit. One will suit you better than the other, most definitely. You'll get on better. Um, the thing I love about the Baby Beyond is there's no loose straps to tread on because that is one thing I did with my old Ergo Baby. Well, my not my old one, but the current one but it's for kind of when they get a bit bigger um I stepped on the buckle and I snapped the buckle so and and that does happen (laughs) with the ergo babies and when the straps kind of fall forward they just hang on the ground whereas with the baby beyond there's no spare straps around um but I don't find it as comfortable as the ergo baby I'm sure that's because it doesn't have the lumbar support. Ergo Baby always has the lumbar support at the back, so a wrap around the waist. The Baby Beyond doesn't. It's all over the shoulders and the upper back. Um, And I don't think I've probably got it quite set up right, but it's a really tricky one. So I would definitely recommend that you try them both if you can. And also wrap slings are really great. They are lovely. I love using our Fornessi one, and we've also got the Ergo Baby Aura, which is gorgeous and beautifully soft, and um, I have been using them all (laughs) because Elwood is on me all the time, so they are getting lots and lots and lots of use. I did have a question about baby carriers and when they can be used from, as far as I'm aware, they can be used from newborn if you have a newborn carrier. Um, I don't believe there's a, or a particular weight, so if you've had a premature baby or if your baby is um, light in weight, then you definitely want to wait until they're at that stage where you can uh, put them in the baby carrier. But I believe it's my understanding that if they are of the weight of the baby carrier and the age of the baby carrier that it's meant to be, you can use them straight away. I used mine with Elwood straight away, literally probably the second day, maybe the third day. No, probably the second, because with a toddler, you need both hands. And um, if you're feeling fine as well, then you can you can wear them straight away. Obviously, if you're feeling uh, not so great or you want to give your body a little bit more time to recover, which is sensible, highly, highly sensible, then maybe don't use them straight away because babies are heavy and you've been through a lot after birth, a lot. I had quite a few questions about if I'm still processing the birth and yes, still haven't had any time to think about it really. It did dawn on me when I was speaking to a friend about it again And I think the more I talk about it, the more I will process it in my own way. Um, But, you know, I have a beautiful little boy, happy and smiley and healthy. um, And that's all that really matters at the end of the day. So I feel very lucky. Um, And I would still have a home birth, yes. I had quite a lot of questions about that. And I have said it before, I'll say it again. I would have another home birth, most definitely. Um, I do believe that things wouldn't have turned out... I would have been worse off personally um, had I been in hospital because I think um, if I had been in hospital in this situation with him getting stuck, there would have been a lot of people in the room with me giving birth um, and I would have potentially had an episiotomy 
maybe even uh, more interventions like forceps um, or a vontus. Um, so I feel very grateful in a way that I wasn't in hospital because the midwives, obviously we had a brilliant outcome, everything was fine, so I can say this uh, from a place where it's been a, a good outcome. Um, but the midwives were amazing. You know, my midwife was able to go in and hook his shoulder and pull him, hook his arm and pull him out. Um, and then all was fine. So I managed to heal very, very quickly from Elwood's birth and the fact that I didn't tear, um, I was yeah able to heal very, very quickly. And I don't think it would have been the same scenario had I been in hospital. Um, because obviously everything is available to you there to use, and I think it probably would have been used. So, what else can I talk about? Yes, feeding is going really well. Um, sleeping is going really well. I'm incredibly lucky. He's a very happy baby. He didn't like the car to start with, but I removed the newborn insert because he was literally almost off the you know, the scale when you need it. Um, and he since hasn't cried once in the car yet. <laughs> so yay. Um, so that was a really, really good outcome. Seeing as we are driving to France this week. <laughs> I have piled a lot in this week, which is probably why I'm feeling slightly overwhelmed. But yeah, we're driving to France this week. So next week, the podcast will come to you from France. I'm not sure how um, some of you will take this news of me driving to France, but we, uh, yes, we are essentially going on a holiday, you could call it that, um, but as you guys well know, we are going to see Hendrik's parents, Hendrik's father isn't particularly well, we haven't seen them for a year, we need to go, um, so that's what we're doing. We are driving out there, we are getting the ferry, it's going to be a six, seven hour drive through the night. So I'm hoping we'll get off the ferry and the kiddos will go straight to sleep. That's my hope. But I will fill you in on all of that on, well, next week's podcast. You may remember Leslie Gilchrist, CEO and Clinical Director of My Expert Midwife, joining me on the podcast in Series 9. Leslie shared an incredible amount of knowledge. The midwives at My Expert Midwife have created some easy checklists and guides to help you through your pregnancy and birth journey. From perineal massage, pain relief, to preparing your hospital bag and prioritising your recovery. They have a fantastic expert advice section on www.myexpertmidwife.com. Do go and have a look. They will most likely answer a lot of those pressing questions that you need expertly covered. We are now so incredibly lucky to have direct access to the wonderful team at My Expert Midwife. This year, they launched antenatal classes, which are 100% midwife-led. If you are pregnant and planning for birth, whether you're a first-time mum or having your second or third baby, these are for you. They are evidence-based, preparing you and your partner for the realities of childbirth, replacing the anxiety of the unknown with the excitement and anticipation, helping you to enjoy the journey. Visit www.myexpertmidwife.com to learn more. Good morning! Yes, you heard that right. It is now Tuesday morning. I had to stop recording with Elwood. He was having his usual evening um, 
meltdown. Although it wasn't really a meltdown, but I could just see him getting more and more unhappy and it was getting later and later and I just wasn't able to focus as much as I wanted to. So right now it is 5.30. I am feeling like a new woman because I had some good solid sleep. Hendrik, Hendrik? <laughs> well, Hendrik's still asleep, but Elwood slept from... Um, 10.30 until 5, so a really wonderful big chunk of sleep. I slept from 11.30 until 5, I'd say, because there's still that winding down and holding up and burping Elwood and all all the meanwhile, all the time Elwood is sleeping <laughs> whilst doing all of that. So he is now still fast asleep. Um, I just fed him at five and he is now back down in his snooze pod and hopefully he will sleep until uh, seven. So before I go on to answer your questions, I wanted to share with you the few days after giving birth to Elwood. I really struggled to, and this really surprised me, but I really struggled to bond and feel a connection with Elwood for the first few days. I know it's really common, but I don't think it's really talked about a huge amount. Um, I did struggle with the fact that he was um, quite such a big baby and arrived in the way that he did arrive. That not so much of a struggle, but in a way, it was really weird having a, a really weird mix of emotions having a 10 pound baby. Um, I felt you know, I think the average size of a baby is between seven and eight and a half, nine pounds, I think. That's the average. Um, and having a 10 pound baby, I just felt like I was immediately going to be judged. It was a really odd mix of emotions. Um, and I had a friend who I could chat about this with. She'd been in a similar place. Um, and I don't know why we feel like that, but I did. I felt like I was going to be judged. I felt like telling people he was a £10 baby was... I was just going to open myself up to all of these judgments, yeah. And, you know, the initial thoughts of people was going to be, oh my god, he's huge, oh my word. And, and I had a lot of those comments. Um, and even the midwives, when he eventually arrived... Um, you know, the first things they said was, oh, he's massive, he's such a big baby. And I don't know why, but in my head, I was just, I struggled with that. Um, and then as I continued to tell people, I realized that actually, I didn't want to tell people anymore. Um, because that was literally everybody's reaction was, oh, he's massive, he's so big. Um, how did you do that? Um, and then, you know, people were saying, but you weren't big. And it just led to all of these questions. Um, did you have, uh, oh, what's it called? I've forgotten the word. Gestational diabetes. All that kind of stuff. Um, and I, I'm sure it's just in my head. But I think it's super normal to feel like that if you do have a big baby. But it did... I did struggle with it and I did say to Hendrik, you know, can you stop telling him that he's, can you stop telling people that he's a big baby? And he wasn't big in the sense of, you know, having lots of rolls and <laughs> really cute baby rolls. Um, he's long, he's super, super long and most of his weight is in his length. He is now definitely 
rolling out a little bit, <laughs> which is so cute. And so, so cute. I mean, he's in three to six month clothes already. And it's mainly because I can't do the buttons up on his baby grows um, because of the length of him. But I don't know why we feel like that. I don't know why. Um, I think maybe because it's just not the norm. It's not the norm to have a 10 pound baby. Uh, and everybody is so different. Um, but, you know... I think people, when they say, oh, I had a nine pound baby and he was massive, I then kind of in my head, I'm thinking, oh my God, well, I had a 10 pound baby. Um, it's a weird one. Maybe some of you can connect with me on this and uh, help me to break down my emotions a little bit and just see why I was feeling like that. But it would be really interesting to know um, if there are some of you out there listening who also felt the same, because I can't really put my finger on why um, I felt like that, but I'd be really interested to hear from you guys. So I'm going to answer your questions, because otherwise this is going to be a long pod. So, okay, is Hendrik super squeamish about birth and how did he cope with the unexpected? So no, he's not squeamish about birth, but I think he doesn't like to see me in pain um, and discomfort and that's why he struggles. Um, so he did come in as you, if you haven't listened to the birth story, make sure you listen to the birth story, but he did come in for the last, um, well, essentially the few moments before the head came out. Um, he did have a few glasses of wine before to buck up the courage to come in. My first birth wasn't traumatic at all, it was wonderful, but he just, he really struggles listening to me screaming <laughs> and sounding so primal, I think. Um, how did he cope with the unexpected? He coped really well. I mean, it's his job, essentially, to... Um, figure out what to do in an emergency but you know the midwives asked him to call an ambulance and I think it just it we weren't expecting to have to do that so there was no kind of prior run through of having to do that um and there's no signal at our house so he couldn't kind of stay and make the phone call he had to go into the house and make the phone call um and he was he <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think he struggled a little bit afterwards because it was it was quite heavy. You know, it was it was a lot to deal with a lot of the what ifs. Um, but essentially, he coped really well. He ran, he called the ambulance. And then um, when the midwife said it wasn't needed, he passed the phone over to the midwife and came straight back in. So he coped absolutely fine. Um, uh, but it was a heavy moment. It was... Um, it was panicking for him, yeah, for sure, because he didn't know when he saw the midwife again to come out to tell him that the ambulance was needed. I think he definitely thought the worst of some kind um, when he saw her, because why wasn't she in the room, essentially? Um, so that's how I think he felt. Did they consider growth scans since you were measuring ahead? No, <laughs> no, they didn't. Not once. Uh, not once. I think my midwife, um, was very relaxed in that sense. As I said before, I'm quite pleased looking back on it that we didn't because had we known he was going to be that big, I don't know how I would have felt about having a home birth. Um, I think I would have been advised against it. Uh, however, um, I don't know how things would have changed if I'd been offered growth scans. So, 
but in hindsight, I'm happy that everything was done how it was done. Perfectly happy with my care. Maybe not birth-related, but I'd love to know the story behind his name. So many questions about Elwood's name. <laughs> so when Hendrik and I met nine years ago, and you know when you're not in that first love moments, you're talking about babies and how many kids do you want and do you have any baby names? Maybe that was just Elwood and I. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> okay, this is how you can tell that. <laughs> it's 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> Maybe that's just Hendrik and I. But um, Elwood was one of Hendrik's names from literally the moment I met him. He's always wanted that name. We strayed away from it uh, when we were looking for baby names. We were always looking for something better. Um, we love uh, Elwood's middle name. We really wanted it as a first name, but it's a French name. It's tricky to say when you're English. It's not. It's one of those that's, again, not how it is spelt if you say it in English. So we find with Amandine that we are always correcting how people say it because people say it's how it's spelt. If you say it how it's spelt, it's said Amandine, but it's not. It's Amandine. Um, so we're always telling people to imagine replacing the second A with an O. Um, and we just didn't want to have to do that with Elwood as well. So as my sister quite rightly said, if you call him Elwood, no one can butcher his name. So... <laughs> that's what we did we were in a bit of a rush to name him because we needed to get his passport for our trip to France and get that done so we had to register him um the following Monday so we literally just had the weekend after he was born to finish uh deciding on a name anyway I really love Elwood I've loved Elwood since the day Hendrik told me about it so Hendrik about 20 25 years ago Hendrik watched the Blues Brothers um, the movie and if you've seen it you will know that one of them is called Elwood and then when there was a remake of it I think around in 2000 um, he really realized you know I, I really do love that name it's an awesome name and it's just stuck with him ever since uh, so there we go <laughs> we essentially just really really love the name but we were inspired by or Hendrik was inspired by the Blues Brothers um, way way back about 25 years ago so there you go. Uh, that's all there is to it. Um, yeah. So it's a really, really old English name, super old English name, which we didn't really know. But um, yeah, there you go. Getting your partner who's working to understand how hard being a mum can be. This is so difficult. I think it's actually really hard to also get your partner to understand how hard being a mum can be when they're not working and even when they're at home all the time. Um, I think it's really difficult. All you can do, I think, is just sit down and talk to them and let them know how you're feeling and talk them through your day. I remember with Amandine, Hendrik would come home and be like, what have you done all, all day? Like, what have you actually done all day? And it's really, really difficult to kind of say, well, actually, you know, I've been feeding and then burping and then sleeping and then feeding and then burping and then tummy time. And then, <laughs> you know, it's 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 a whirlwind um let alone feeding yourself and if you have a toddler as well so I don't know the answer to that question because I haven't perfected it but I th I just try at weekends to try and get them to understand if they're home at weekends or whenever they're home just trying to show them you know what it's like and maybe ask them to take the kids out or your baby out 
um, in the in one of the mornings at the weekend or whenever they're off, so they can just see what it's like to solo parent, um, you know, in the nicest possible way, because it is really, really difficult to not get antsy at them and, you know, shout at them with all of the hormones. It's really, really hard. So I think just trying to demonstrate to them and get them to experience it for themselves is the easiest way. I'll ask Hendrik, actually. I'll see what he says. I would love people's tips on doing bath and bed routines for two. It seems to take us both. I will put this one out on Instagram because I uh, can only share mine. Yeah, it takes us both, (laughs) for sure. But I know I could do it by myself because Elwood is always in the baby carrier at that point. And yes, it's tricky with Elwood in the baby carrier for the reasons why I said earlier about baby carriers. But um, yeah, and Amandine is fighting bedtime. So it does make it tricky. But we essentially go up way too late at the moment. We're only kind of going up from downstairs at seven o'clock. But we go up and then uh, we brush teeth. We try. We find the most helpful advice I was given from... Um, a sleep uh, consultant was explain to them, especially your toddler, explain to them what you are going to be doing before. Um, so literally five minutes before going upstairs, you're saying, right, Amandine, we're now going to go upstairs in five minutes. We're going to brush our teeth. We're then going to do a pee-pee. We're then going to get into our pajamas or take a bath. Um, and then we're going to have two books, which you can choose and then we're going to get into our sleep bag, and we're going to go to sleep, okay? And then you ask them to repeat it back to you, which Amandine does really well, and then she's okay with it when I say, right, or when Hendrik says, right, let's go upstairs, it's time to go upstairs now. So that really, really helped. Yeah, Elwood is really strapped to me all the time, but I think when the point gets to it when he is um, going to bed at the same time, that's when it'll get tricky, but I assume that you just do bath together and we did actually do bath together the other day Elwood and Amandine took a bath which was really cute and then I left Amandine in the bath whilst I dried off Elwood in the bathroom massaged him with a bit of massage baby massage oil my friend gave me one from Neil's yard which is gorgeous and then I put Elwood down on uh just the bath mat in the bathroom when he was um when he was in his PJs, got Amaldine out and moisturised and then put her in her PJs and then we both went through to her bedroom. I put Elwood in the baby Bjorn and um, we read a book, fed him a bit whilst we were reading a book and then again back into the baby Bjorn so I could give Amaldine a proper kiss goodnight. So I think it is doable, you just have to find what works for you uh, and then go from there but it can seem really really daunting especially if you have had help which I have had so much help from Hendrik um it can seem really daunting doing it the first time definitely but it doesn't have to be perfect <laughs> just pick a time or pick a day to try when your toddler is in a good mood um or tired <laughs> but not overtired. <laughs> okay um lots of questions on Elwood's baby name how do I get my 15 month old to fall asleep independently Oh, it's so tricky. It is so tricky. Oh my goodness. I had only just finished feeding Amaldine to sleep at 14 months old, I think. I think I still... Did I still feed her to sleep? Yeah, I think I did. Um, We did that last breastfeed still at 14 months. I think that was the last one that we dropped, I think. Gosh, I can't even remember now. Um, But it's really, really difficult. If you go onto Taking Cara Baby's website... 
Um, she does some blogs. She does lots of courses that you can pay for, but she also does lots of blogs which are really helpful for um, different ages and helping them to fall asleep and when their nap routines are. Um, but essentially, I think she just says that routine is the key. So doing the same thing, so they know what to expect. They know what to expect. Um, white noise is really, really great for us if you're not already using white noise. Sleep bags, same room environment, making sure the bedroom is completely pitch black. And I really mean completely pitch black. So ha but have a look at her website. And I'm sure that you will find something to help you on there. If not, um, and you're struggling, there are some brilliant sleep consultants out there. And, and loads and loads of sleep consultants on Instagram sharing lots and lots of top tips. So definitely have a look and a browse on Instagram and try and find some of those um, that resonate with you uh, sleep coaches or sleep consultants. I'm sure you've answered this before, but what kind of sling do you have for E? So yeah, I have just answered that previously, um, but essentially the Baby Bjorn, the Ergo Baby, and then Fornessy Wrap I love, and uh, the Ergo Baby Aura Wraps I also love. I would love for you to get listeners on. Yes, so would I. And this is something that's going to happen this series. Later on in this series, it's going to happen. But yes, I would like that too. We did it for a few series back where we had quite a few listeners on. Um, but if you have a story you want to share, always, always send me an email, mumtalkpodcast at gmail.com or reach out to me on Instagram. And um, let's get you on because uh, there are so many, so many different birth stories and life with children. I think it's just wonderful to hear everybody's um, everybody's take on their journey. So yeah, let's get everyone on. Did you do any perineal massage? No, I didn't this time around. <laughs> um, I did the first time around. I didn't this time around. So I am still amazed that I didn't tear, especially because I didn't do any perineal massage. My midwife said it couldn't hurt, but I just, I didn't love it first time around. So I just didn't do it this time around. Going from one to two children. I don't know what's harder, actually. I don't know what's been harder for me. Um, I think with I probably this one, actually, because I, I was so ready to have Amandine and prepared to have Amandine um, that I... <sighs> I mean, I found the night I found the nights a lot harder with Amandine, but I think that's because the nights were getting darker. It was September, um, the feeds were longer. I was waking up every two hours to feed, uh, minimum. That went on for a really long time. But then Amandine, as a baby in the day, was incredibly chilled, incredibly chilled. Whereas Elwood, in the day, he is not chilled, as chilled. He's getting there though, but he's not as chilled as Amandine was. So having a toddler and a not chilled baby, that's really, really hard. Um, but then he sleeps really well at night, but I don't know if it would be easier if he didn't sleep well at night and he was sleeping, more sleeping in the day, but then I'd be tired in the day. I I really don't know. In, in all honesty, I don't notice a huge amount of difference um, because it's such a completely different experience. But I certainly don't sit here and think, 
oh god this is impossible this is really 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 hard I wish I hadn't done it type thing definitely not it's completely manageable I think if you set your expectations um in the right way (laughs) then you'll be okay I think if your expectations are too high as to what you're going to be doing and what your toddler is going to be doing and maybe being able to keep the same kind of calendar of events and activities as you did before then yeah that's going to be really hard if you're keeping up with all of that but if you can you know prepare yourself to tone it down a little bit for um for the first few months at least I would say then you'll be on to a winner um but I you know it's been it's been okay but I've had a lot of help from Hendrik and Hendrik has been amazing he's been so helpful Um, and literally done everything to do with Amaldine because we've had that luxury with him being furloughed essentially Um, still (laughs) Uh, can you tell us how you chose the name they I I have Um, lots of perineal massage questions tips for adjusting to life with two kids tips to adjusting for life with two kids yeah I don't have any tips, I don't think, apart from expectation setting, definitely expectation setting, and don't do what what I did, with Amandine, I had so much downtime in the day, because she would sleep in the day, all the time, for ages, haven't had that with Elwood, so there's been so much stuff that I thought, oh, when Elwood's sleeping, and Amandine's having her nap, I'll just crack on with that, I don't need to do it before he was born, yes I did, because has it been done, no it has not, so I have so much stuff that needs to be done and I honestly thought I would get so much more downtime and I haven't had any. So maybe that, do your bits before baby arrive. Um, baby arrives because if you've got one already, there's not going to be a huge amount of time to do anything, to even think in fact. Um, but yeah, my, my biggest one is um, get as much sleep as you can and take as many baths as you can, and this is what everyone told me, but I didn't listen. Anyway, and set your expectations. Aftercare during a pandemic, is it much different compared to with a... Uh, no, it's not a huge amount different. I haven't found a huge amount amount different, but then we are very much... You know, we're not coming out the other side of the pandemic, but things aren't as different as they were so I think if you ask this question about someone to someone who gave birth earlier in the pandemic their answer would be very different plus I had a home birth so care is different with a home birth um I had to go in the only time I've had to leave the house to go in is to go to my three-day check to get um no hang on on day three to have Elwood's baby checks essentially and that was the only time I had to leave the hospital. I leave to go to the hospital. Um, some places, if you have a home birth, they come to you. Um, but the ladies that did it weren't available for that. So I had to go to them. Um, but the health visitors still came. So they're coming now. They didn't used to come earlier in the pandemic. They were doing phone calls, I think. Uh, one of my friends who gave birth to a baby who is now one during the pandemic never saw a health visitor, not once, um, in person. So the care is different, but I would say that my care has been very, very similar to Amaldine, aside from obviously having a home birth. I still had lots of appointments with Elwood, lots of weigh-ins. They came to me to do the weigh-ins. Um, and then 
the health visitor. The health visitor now, I don't believe, comes until Elwood is maybe even nine months, something like that. Um, I'm having the checks done at the doctor's surgery when Elwood is 12 weeks, and that will be my check as well. So I think it's quite a bit later. They're running quite a bit later because they want you to come in for one appointment to do everything, essentially. So um, that's in August that we'll be doing that. But otherwise, I think my care has been really similar to Amandine. What are you finding easier challenging this time around? The headspace, for sure. That being able to have, being able to answer to Amandine, to Elwood, to Hendrick. Hendrick gets the brunt of it, definitely. Hormones, I'm finding really difficult. Um, one minute I'll be happy, the next minute I will be really just wanting to bite someone's head off and making me really angry. Like, I just feel like I could lose my temper a lot easier than first time around. A lot easier. Um, are there anything you had forgotten about with a newborn? Uh, how much they poop, maybe? <laughs> but Amandine didn't, so she would go 10 days or so without pooping. Elwood is not like that. Um, he just poops and poops and poops. No. It all comes back really, really quickly. Amandine was quite a fragile baby because she was quite small. Elwood, not. So um, I think sometimes you feel like, oh my goodness, I've forgotten how small they were. I didn't feel like that with Elwood. <laughs> um, I really felt like I had a three-month-old baby from the start. Which, in a way, I kind of feel like I'm mourning slightly. Because I didn't feel like I had those really lovely newborny newborn days I don't know it's weird I again it's a bit like the whole having a 10 pound baby thing but those emotions I definitely feel like I'm mourning them like I never I didn't have that tiny little squishy little baby um and Elwood got strong really quickly and now he kind of you know he's only six weeks old and he is thrashing around um like nobody's business if you're holding him he just flings his body all of a sudden even if you've got his head and neck he will fling his body over to one side take you completely by surprise um so no I don't think I had forgotten that it's, it's almost like I'm learning again a different type of newborn phase um, but it all comes back really quick, really, really quick. Choosing the right nursery. Yeah, this is really difficult, actually. Um, but I did do a nursery podcast uh, with the head of nursery at Blundell's school. She came on, which was really kind of her to do that. And we spoke all about nursery and how to choose a nursery. So go back and find that one. Um, that's a really, really good listen. We're really struggling with what to do with Amaldine and nursery. There's a forest school here, which we love, but it is mega expensive. And Hendrik is obviously furloughed, so we're both here. Is it necessary? Is it financially necessary right now? Um, there is also a school here in uh, where we live where we can also centre, like just a normal nursery. I'm not that in love with it, if I'm honest. And also with the amount of times that hopefully once um, we're able to travel a bit more freely, we'll be going back and forward to France quite a bit more. Um, and I don't want to be paying for something that we're not using. Um, so again, it's quite tricky. 
Also, <laughs> don't want Amandine to be sick all the time and bring it home to me and Elwood um, because, you know, she hasn't been in nursery so she hasn't had all of the bugs and she is really susceptible. Anytime we see a friend with an ill baby, she gets it. No matter how hard I try for her not to, she gets it. Advice for juggling toddler and a newborn, please. Um, get a baby carrier. <laughs> That's probably my only advice. You need both hands. So get a baby carrier and be prepared to be wearing that baby all the time. Um, and the newborn just fits in. I really, really find that the newborn just fits in. They just come along and do whatever you're doing with the toddler and life kind of continues on as normal, just less sleep, more crying, more frayed tensions, <laughs> a bit more anxiety, more cuddles, more kisses, more closeness. It's really beautiful. Um, but yes, there's a lot of juggling. Dinner time is tricky, but again, I'm wearing him or he's in the baby Bjorn for a few minutes um, Amandine is doing uh, TV time during dinner time and just ask for help ask for help as much as you can that would be also my biggest advice just ask, ask, ask for help um, at what age did you start using a wrap sling with baby mine is 12 days is that too soon I really don't think it is too soon like I said before I think you can use them when from the minute it's, they align with what it says on the pack essentially at newborn, how to dress baby for sleep when there's no sleeping bag. Uh, it really depends on the temperature of the room. So um, have a Google at what you should be dressing your baby in um, at temperature of your bedroom. Um, so it really could vary from uh, a sleep suit, a vest and a sleep suit, um, two sleep suits. <laughs> I really don't know if you're not using a sleep bag. Um, then maybe you need blankets as well so a cellular blanket which is one with holes in that's really really great just make sure it's tucked in and follow all of the sleep guidance if you go onto lullaby trust website they are brilliant for um, sleeping guidelines if you're um, unsure of the heat of the room or whatever it's really tricky in the summer especially if you live in a hot country to know what to put them in sometimes it's just a nappy um, which is difficult because if you want to be swaddling them or whatever, then that can be a bit of a tricky thing to navigate. How long after birth did you go out with little one, being told I shouldn't to avoid illnesses? Um, with Amaldine, I was out and about, well, I was out walking at day four, I think, um, maybe day three even. Um, but out and about in public spaces, I think day 12, day 11, something like that. Um, not because of illnesses, I wasn't worried about that at that point, but obviously there's a bit more about at the moment. Um, with this one, day five, aside from having to go into the hospital at day three, probably day five, because I was feeling up to it, and with a toddler you don't really get the choice to not go out. So... Um, yeah, I think day five. But you can pick your spaces, um, you know, go for a walk uh, where you won't see anybody or just um, if you're worried about illnesses, maybe limit time inside. Um, 
all of the normal guidelines that we're kind of being told to follow, I would just follow those and spend as much time outside as you possibly can if you want to get out and about. And if you want to meet people for coffee, just do it outside. Um, If pump, how to incorporate it in on your own routine. So I'm not pumping this time around right now. Um, But I would probably do it whenever I'm feeding because you get a little bit more milk um, or just after a feed. If baby doesn't want the leftovers, you could pump off the leftovers. Um, That way you're doing it whilst you're sitting down and you're still feeding baby. That's probably how. Again, there's loads and loads of experts to follow on this kind of stuff because I am most definitely not an expert. (laughs) So there's loads and loads of experts that you can follow on Instagram or Google or maybe ask your um, health visitor what they would do. Um, And it's also individual. So I would um, probably ask an expert if you're uh, struggling to know when and to get the best supply. How to cope with cluster feeding at night, please. Um, (laughs) How to cope with it. It's just one of those things, isn't it, that we have to do um, because baby needs it. But I think, again, it's setting expectations. It's knowing that it's coming and to make yourself comfortable with the TV remote, um, some snacks, lots of water, and just know that you're going to be there for quite some time, cluster feeding. Interestingly, Elwood isn't really doing cluster feeding right now, touch wood. Um, I don't know whether it's just because he's a big boy so he doesn't feel like he needs it or what really. But luckily for me, he isn't doing it as much. But Amandine did it literally from probably 4.30 until she went to sleep uh, for the night. She would cluster feed. So I know what you're going through and it's really, really tough, especially if you've got another one at home and you need to be seeing to them as well. Cluster feeding is hard, but try and get yourself comfortable. Try and get help around that time. Um, Prep dinner earlier if you need to do that. Um, when they're maybe taking a nap or if you can wear them maybe maybe baby wearing maybe they just want to be near you and on you and feel cuddled and loved so maybe just try and pop them on you in the carrier maybe that will um, help to not avoid because they need it but you know help to cope with cluster feeding and that concludes the questions (laughs) so I somehow recorded an hour-long podcast, so I hope you found something in there interesting. Um, Next week, I'm going to let you guys know all about our travel to France and how it went. It could be brilliant, it could be a disaster. We shall see. Um, I will catch up with you guys next week. I will put a question box up, as I always do, on Instagram for any questions that you want answered, especially around travel. Um, And we can use this episode as well to talk about what we took, car seats, if you've got any questions on car seats. I literally just put a post up on Monday about car seats. I literally get asked every single day about car seats. So I figured I'll put it on my grid and then people can go back to it and refer to it whenever they want to. If you are looking at car seats, there are full chat-throughs of the car seats. Um, And I'm also going to be doing a full chat-through of the car seat and how how it works for us um, in the podcast. But 
I can just tell you that I'm loving it. So if you do look at that post and you see um, the Cybex Cloud Z that we're using, it is brilliant. It's an infant car seat and it's absolutely fantastic um, if you're thinking about buying one in the sales because there are a few sales around at the moment. Um, Okay, that concludes your time with me. (laughs) I will catch up with you guys next week. Um, Lots and lots of love. Any questions, just pop me an email at mumtalkpodcast at gmail.com or wait for the question box on Instagram or DM me on Instagram, mumtalkpodcast. Lots of love and have a great week. Bye. Even the second time round, I didn't really know what to pack in my hospital bag. I knew what not to pack, but there is always a worry that you will have forgotten something you yearn after in labour. Luckily for us, the midwives at My Expert Midwife have curated a hospital bag set with all their essentials, including the brilliant Spritz for Bits, which I can personally recommend. It certainly saved my delicate parts post-birth. Soak for Bits, No Harm, Nipple Balm, Spritz for Labour and labour rollable designed to help calm and focus as our little gift to you my expert midwife have kindly given me an exclusive code to share with you for 10% discount across all products head to www.myexpertmidwife.com and use mumtalk10 at checkout and get that hospital bag packed don't forget to get your birth partner to pack it for you so they know where everything is i made that error first time round